Welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, of course, Christine Blasdale, and I'm so very happy that you tuned in today. It's going to be a very special program. My guest is an internationally renowned musician, artist, and spiritual event leader who has held over 400 meditation workshops. And he's also the author of a brand new book called The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Their Untold Truth Through Art and Evidential Channeling. And his name is David Young, and he's here with me in studio. Welcome to Out of the Box, David. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. The title of the book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Just that. (laughs) People are going, wait a second. Er, Yeah, (laughs) the true story of Jesus and his wife? Yeah. That's not what we were told, David. Well, everybody knows Jesus was Jewish and that his real name was Yeshua, but most people don't realize he was a rabbi, and it's in the Bible five times where he's called rabbi, and in order to become a rabbi, you have to have two things first before you can become a rabbi, and that that is you have to have a wife and you have to have children. Mary Magdalene was his wife, and they had three children before that horrible thing happened, and then once they made their way to France, they had a fourth child. Okay, now... Right now, people's heads are are popping off because I would I would say that in what for over however many hundreds of years, uh, um, people there's been absolutely no connection to Jesus being Jewish, even though when you do read the Bible, you can see yes, <laughs> because prior to his birth and then the story of his crucifixion, um, he was he was Jewish, but. It says in the Bible that he was a rabbi. Five times. Five times. Interesting how that was kind of glossed over. Well, there's a lot of stuff that's been glossed over. (laughs) And um, it's just important to know the historical facts because there is a big story that um, sometimes people would call a myth. Um, But the historical facts is that in the year 381, after 380 years basically after he was born— The virgin birth was added to the Bible. It wasn't in the original Bibles for the first 380 years. And the reason why they added the virgin birth to the Bible was because there were five other religions around at that time that all had a virgin birth in their Bible. Exactly. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Buddhism, Mithraism, and three other religions that are no longer around anymore. And during the time of Emperor Constantine, which was a Roman emperor, Um, They called a big meeting that was called the Council of Nicaea, 
And there was a big problem they were having in the Roman Empire. First of all, the Roman Empire was kind of falling apart by this time. And there were all these riots happening all over the empire with people arguing because some people thought that Jesus was born God. And other people thought that he was born a man who became spiritual and, and eventually was adopted by God. So Emperor Constantine decided to have this big meeting of all the bishops all over the the Middle East so they could kind of decide how they were going to frame all this stuff because there were certain things they wanted to take out of the Bible that were confusing people and other things that they decided that they should put in the Bible. So in 381, they put the virgin birth into the Bible so this way Buddhism wouldn't look cooler than Christianity. And that was when it happened, and that's the historical fact. And then we have Christmas, and you have to buy presents and sit on some guy's lap. Well, as long as you bring up Christmas— Yes. Okay. Because that's not even his birthday, is it? No, no. His birthday is April 6th. But where the whole Christmas thing came into play was because Israel is right next to Egypt. Okay? And there are different holidays that were celebrated in in Egypt, and one of them was called the birthday of Horus. There's There's a symbol called the eye of Horus. It looks like an eye with a line above it and a squiggly line underneath it. Yes. Okay? So Horus was an Egyptian god. Yes. Okay. And Horus's birthday was celebrated for thousands of years before Jesus was born. Um, Horus supposedly was born of a virgin birth. Surprise, surprise. Imagine that. And there were supposedly three wise men who appeared at his birth. I think I've heard that somewhere before. Somewhere. And there was a special star that has appeared in the sky. Horus's birthday celebrated for thousands of years was December 25th. And once Christianity became popular. They Every, took it. Yeah, everybody was already used to celebrating that holiday. We already just, have the day off. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and that's, they just changed it to Christ Mass. So it was a, a Mass for Christ. Wow. There's not, that's not the end of it, though. No, I know. I know. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot more. Uh, it's important to know the facts. I, I, it is so important because whole wars and and um and cultures have been built around you know a lot of these myths that we're going to be debunking and um and we're going to talk now you are you were you did you grow up christian did you No grow up- I grew up jewish that's why this was such a shock once And you wrote a book about the true story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene Can you imagine that Well it was a process what happened was that in 2014 I started doing these meditation events that are called a portal between heaven and earth, okay? And because I played two flutes at one time, I've recorded 60 albums of music. I've sold way over a million CDs. I've had over 10 million streams of my music online. And every day, over 25,000 healers use my music in hospitals, wellness centers, spas, acupuncture offices. Um, There was a while between 1997 and 2007, before the digital age, you could go to a spa anywhere in North America, and you'd have a 50% chance it was my music playing all day long in the spa. I bet you I've heard your music, and I don't I, – I, well, I, it was probably when I was getting some type of treatment or doing in, in some, one of those places, and I wouldn't have even known it. Yeah. But that was probably you. Well, if you and heard – I love the flute. Uh, and you play two at the same time. Well, I only have two hands, so Which I can is only the, 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 that's That's pretty amazing. So your left and right brain – I mean, you're – Wow. Now, is that something that 
we're going to come back to this. But you're that playing two flutes at once. Did that come naturally, or did you have to <clears throat> study learning how to do that? No, I played one at a time for like seventeen seventeen years, like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> but in 1990, I ran out of money. I moved to California. And I went down to Venice Beach. I met a woman named Lisa who played the harp. And we played at Venice Beach from 1990 till 1992. And we made these cassette tapes called Celestial Winds. We sold 10,000 tapes under that name at at Venice Beach. And then uh, we got hired at Universal Studios, which is right up the street from where we are. And we would play at Venice Beach from 10 in the morning to 5 o'clock at night and then play at Universal Studios from 7 o'clock at night till 11 o'clock at night. Um, then we started making CDs. We sold 100,000 CDs together, and we we stopped working together in um, 1994. And then I went solo, and I just have been making CDs ever since on my own. I've made 60 CDs. And so I started doing these meditation events in 2014. And at that point, I had been meditating over 30 years. And in my own meditation, I had been experiencing the white light, the purple light, Um, And depending on how long I meditated for would determine how deep my spiritual experience went because I have to tell you, the first 10 minutes of meditation, that's like your warm-up when you're at the gym. You know, nothing really happens during the warm-up. No, you're thinking about I'm kind of hungry. What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to wear? Exactly. (laughs) Those little thoughts come in. Yeah. So it takes about 15 minutes for your mind to get through – that mumbo-jumbo thing that your mind is used to doing because that's what our mind has been doing most of our lives. And the best part of your meditation starts after about 20 minutes because there's space in between your thoughts. And in that space between your thoughts, that's where you can receive messages. Because your little chattery mind shuts up for a couple seconds. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I was teaching these meditation workshops called A Portal Between Heaven and Earth. And after talking for about an hour, I would invite people to close their eyes, and I was going to play the flute for 20, 25 minutes. And when the first meditation was over, this woman raised her hand, said she had something to share. She said that her husband had died 13 years ago during 9-11, and she never had closure. And during the meditation, while I was playing the flute, her, her husband appeared to her and took her all around heaven showed him showed her that he, he was happy and in a beautiful place and told her she doesn't need to worry about him at all and he told her to just find happiness in any way you can for the rest of your life because that's what life is all about mm. and so that was the first one every event that I've done I've done over 400 events in the last 4 years every single event there's been 5 10 15 or 20 people who have had one of those experiences so after about 6 months I heard of over 500 people share that they had a reconnecting experience with their grandmother, their grandfather, a best friend from childhood who died young. You know, this became a normal part of my day because if I did three or four events a week and five or 10 or 15 people had those experiences, I was hearing 75 of those things every week. Wow. So after six months, it's like no big deal, you know. Is this person going to share she just met with grandma or grandpa or – you know, which one of her loved ones that she connected with. And then something really weird happened. Well, I thought it was really weird. Three people all described seeing Jesus standing in the same spot in the room. Now, um, all musicians are a little bit self-centered. I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) sure you know that. 
So from my perspective, if these three people all saw him in the same spot in the room, that must mean he must have seen me playing the flute and that would look good on my resume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, it sounds funny, but really that's what I was thinking. And could, could, you, get a, and could you get a review? I mean, can we get a, a photo? Can we <laughs> a selfie? <laughs> Smile for the camera, you know? So at that point, I had been talking with a famous channeler from Canada whose name was Bob Murray. And he was helping to explain to me why all these people consistently every single night at these events, these people were having experiences with their loved ones. So he had been channeling different people for me. And so I asked him if he could channel Jesus for me because I thought we should have a talk. You know? I love that. <laughs> I mean it. You know, you know if he's going to be at the event. Hey, if he's hanging out and he's not paying. That's what I was saying. You know, thinking. it's a comp ticket. Come on. Give, give me a little something back for that. Right. Yeah, like, give me some love, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Bob said, I can't guarantee I can connect with him, but I'll try. And after about a minute of silence, Bob said, OK, I've connected with Jesus. What do you want to ask him? And my mind went blank. <laughs> As it does. <laughs> you know. Uh, right. And all I could think to say was, man, this is weird. You know, I grew up in a Jewish family. The idea of having a conversation with Jesus was really not on my uh, radar. My, not on my radar. So, all I can say is that this just feels really strange. And he said, "I can understand that. I grew up Jewish, also." <laughs> I'm serious. That's the first thing he said to me, which really helped me relax because it showed me he had a sense of humor. Yes. And um, so I said, "Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because I don't know what to believe about what I've heard about you." Because I grew up Jewish and I also don't know what not to believe about what I've heard about you. So what do you like or what don't you like? You know, if you're going to start a conversation with somebody from 2,000 years ago, where do you start that conversation? Exactly. You know? And so the first thing he said was, I don't like rituals. When people do rituals, they think they're getting closer to God. But because a ritual is done so many times over and over mechanically— um, it's really not coming from the heart and it's not coming from love. And the only way we get closer to God is through opening our heart and through love. So at first I thought he was talking about the Catholic Church, but then the more I thought about it, every religion has rituals that people do over and over again. Yes. Yeah. Well, the second thing he said was I don't like pedestals. When people put others up on a high pedestal, the only thing they get is a stiff neck from looking up, which I thought was funny. <laughs> That's okay. Cute. And then the third thing he said, I never, ever would have dreamed – that he would say something like this. And he said, I did not create Christianity. Now, the way this was all orchestrated, because the magical things in our lives, these things are orchestrated from above. When you have magical stuff happen in your daily life, you're not having that. You're not doing that on your own. Exactly. One of the things that is really misinterpreted about intuition is that all the spiritual books teach that our intuition comes directly from spirit to us, to our soul, and that's where we get these messages. But that really is not correct. In between the great spirit and us are our spiritual guides, and every single one of us has spiritual guides, whether we realize it, recognize it, or not. And because our spiritual guides are already in the heavenly dimension, they get access to this information long before we down here in the physical dimension get this information. So our spiritual guides get the information. They pass it along to us, and that's what we call intuition. 
it doesn't come direct from spirit. Intuition or inspiration. Yeah. Well, when you get intuition where you know something that you really have no right. business knowing, you right. know, it's like out of your mental arena, you know. So the way this was all orchestrated, a couple of weeks after I had that conversation with him. With Jesus. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, that's the one who we're talking about, right? You know, Wait, did you call him Jesus or did you call him Yeshua? I called him Jesus because honestly, at that point, I didn't even know his name was Yeshua. I was so oh, clueless about him, oh, you know. Right? Yes. yes. Um, and so I shared this with one of my friends, and the way this all turned out, she had just finished reading a book that was supposedly channeled by Jesus to the author, and those exact words were in the book. Now, in the last four years since that happened, at at my events, he has showed up to at least five people and told them the exact same thing he said to me. And so five other people confirmed that that's the message he gave them, the, those exact words. Right. And so if you think about it, why do you think he would say the same thing to different people? Well, that's how important those things are. Well, it's important, but it's right. also a way of people. And to confirm. Confirm it, exactly. So this way, because I'll tell you, if I was a little bit skeptical about the whole thing, once I heard <clears throat> these other people had been told the exact same words as he said to me, that meant something to me. Yes. You know, it was confirmation, validation. But if not, then if, if people said, oh, yeah, I spoke to Jesus too, um, and, uh, then you wouldn't be able to – it wouldn't be – yeah, it wouldn't be necessarily confirmed. Um and that was on purpose too, to 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 let you know, as well. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, as long as we're talking about Jesus so much here, I really want to um, explain to people that it's not worth wasting your trying time trying to figure out who's higher, Jesus or Buddha or Krishna or Moses or or any of them. It's no point trying to figure that out because they're all at a super high level of consciousness and. Unlike this earthly plane, they all work together. You see, in this earthly plane, if you go to a church, then you definitely don't go to that synagogue, mm -hmm. you know, because you go to your own church or you go to your own temple. Right. But in the heavenly dimension, it's not separated like that. Jesus and Buddha and Moses and all of them are all best buddies. Just think about them as being on a baseball team. And what is the goal of the game is to win the game right. the way the way we win the game is by having enough light workers here on planet Earth who are climbing the spiritual ladder, who can become channels for all the ascended masters, which they like to be known as the heavenly team. Because it's a very simple yeah. way of, of thinking. A team works together and they, they're in the heavenly dimension. So they, they like to be called the heavenly team. You don't need to call them masters. And act, actually, they would prefer it if you look at them as like a brother or an uncle. Yes. You know, and I don't want to leave out all the female ascended masters like Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene, Isis, Kuan Yin. Um, I call them the sisterhood of the goddesses. Mm. You know, you know, the word God is such a um, – it's got such a distorted thing from all these thousands of years of crazy things happening in God's name. Yes. But – in my opinion, if you think about the word goddess, doesn't that feel more loving yes. and nurturing and supportive? You know, yes. Because God is loving, nurturing, and supportive, but it's just that we've been told for a couple of thousand years that, you know. We've been told that 
um, well, he's a judgmental god. Uh, it's he. For some reason, he needs money. He needs money. <laughs> the televangelists tell us this. He sits on a throne. Apparently, he's got a white beard and a long robe. Um, and there's things that you do as a human that will um, he will make you pay for. Yeah. That's... Right? And you're born in sin. Right. You're born right away. You, you're already born with, with a bad record. Um, and he's going to judge you. And he's either going to move you upstairs or down to hell. Right. Well, I'd like to talk about about that a little bit because I've come up with an analogy of – so this way people can really see clearly the, what the reality is. So let me ask you a couple of really dumb questions, OK? No question is dumb, Dave. Well, it's kind of dumb. So okay. listen, um, do you think that God loves you? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. That's the right answer. Yes. So do you think God wants you to be happy? Oh, yes. OK. We're on the same page. Now, do you think God wants you to feel good about yourself? Hell Yes. Okay, so that means anybody who tells you that you're a sinner to make you feel bad about yourself is definitely not God. Yes. Because right. God wants you to feel good about yourself because when your heart is open and you feel good about yourself, you have more love to give out to everybody in the world and you can be a channel for light and love. Yes. That's the end of the questions. There you go. <laughs> Folks, if you are just tuning in, um, lucky you. You are listening to uh, my guest today, David Young. He is the author of The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena, Their Untold Truth Through Art and Evidential Channeling. And it's a book you can get. Can they get this on Amazon? You can get it on Amazon. It's available as a paper book that's 13 inches by 10 inches. It's gorgeous. It's full color on every page. I made 50 paintings while I was making the book that turned out to show different places where they lived in France, which I only realized after I went to France. Oh, we're going to get into that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, this is such a good – okay, we're going to get into that. So not – it, it is just an absolutely stunning book. I I like it because it does, it does remind me of those, like, coffee table books. Yeah. And let me tell you, you throw this on your coffee table, people are going to go, what? They're going to they're gonna flip through it. Yep. But you have something very unique as well because we were talking about your music mm-hmm. um, and – I mean, how many years you've been doing this and, um, and of course, the, the ability to play the two flutes at once, the meditation music. But you have something really unique on the pages of this book. One of the things I realized as we were designing this book was that I could put QR codes in each chapter that you scan with your cell phone. You just get the, Q, the QR reader app on your, on your iPhone. And this would allow the book to include 90 minutes of music because it comes with 12 QR codes um, with different songs from my different albums. And so as far as I know, this is the first book that's ever had music included in that way with these QR codes. Without having like it be a CD added to it. But it's embedded within – I mean the the code is in along the storyline, which I really love because it's more interactive as well. Um, okay, so let's get back to the true story of Jesus and his wife, yay, Mary. Um, so, so you when you began your conversation, right, with, with the, through the channeling yep. with Jesus, this um, this wasn't just a like a, a a one-time thing, right? I mean, this just was wasn't. Uh, it was constant. It was constant. Yeah, T- tell our listeners what um, what happened after that initial conversation and how soon before you 
um, were hearing from were you and were you hearing from him directly or did you need a channel in order to hear that? Well, I was good at painting and playing music and singing, playing guitar and playing the flute, but channeling was not one of the talents that I was given. So I spoke to Bob Murray every day for an hour or an hour and a half for two years until Bob died. Then about six months after Bob died, um, I met a woman at one of my events in Florida and she was a channeler. She was a rock star channeler. And so then they started giving me messages through her and her name is her name is Mimi. And we lived together for a year and a half. And you know how easy it is for you to call one of your friends and just pick up your phone and dial it? Well, that's how easy it was for the Ascended Masters to talk to me, except they didn't need a phone because they could just talk to me through Mimi. Wow. You know, and this was on a daily basis. So to give you an idea on on how this whole thing progressed, um, Jesus told Mimi that there was big news coming out of the Vatican in Rome. And I'm like, are you sure that message is for me? I never cared what come in, came out of the Vatican in Rome. I grew up Jewish, you know. Um, and then the following week, the new pope issued a statement that rocked the Vatican. And he said, there is no hell up there, like pointing up to heaven. The only hell there is is down here on earth. And that completely goes against what the Bible says. So the pope got in big trouble right. for saying that. And Jesus had told me that through Mimi a week before that public statement came out. Right. So that's called evidential channeling because it's channeling where there's evidence, there's proof because I got that message a week before it happened. So evidential channeling is knowing beforehand or getting, getting information before something happens. Right. And then being alerted that something has happened exactly as it was told to you. Yeah. So I'll give you another example. So um, I travel all the time. You know, it's like I do about 15 events every month. And I was talking with Mimi on the phone and she was channeling Jesus. And he and he said, every time you see somebody and you look into their eyes, you know, see God's love coming through their eyes, you know. And whatever they say to you, receive that with your heart so you could, like, receive God's love through their heart, you know. And the very next morning, one of the hosts of the event had put me up. You know, one of the people who who came to the event said I could stay in the spare bedroom at their house. You know, that was all part of the agreement. And the following morning, I got up for breakfast, and there was a little note by, by the plate that I was going to use for my breakfast. And the woman whose house I was staying at said this morning, that morning she woke up and Jesus appeared to her and gave her a message to give to me. And that was the message she wrote on a little piece of paper that she put on my plate. That message was, Jesus wants to tell you that whenever you talk to anybody, always see the light of love, you know, God's light coming through their eyes. And when you listen to them, always listen to their heart like you're listening to God through their heart. The exact same words he had told me the day before through Mimi. That's what was on a little note on my plate. You can't make that stuff up. You cannot. But I really want to say something to to the listeners out there because I've said the name Jesus probably 20 times so far in this interview is that he's not the only way. He would never, ever tell anybody he's the only way. Mm. And that thing in the Bible, I am the way, the truth, and the light, I'm telling you, he doesn't talk like that. I've heard over a thousand people 
who have shared their experience with Jesus, his wife Mary Magdalene, or Mother Mary. They don't talk like that. They never put themselves above anybody. And so, you know, there's no point trying to figure out who's higher or lower. Is it Jesus? Is it Buddha? Is it Krishna? It's a waste of time. They're all working together. They're all at a super high level of consciousness, and they really just want to help each of us become masters ourselves. This whole thing is not about trying to find followers. They don't need followers. They're looking for leaders. They don't want followers. Yeah, they're looking for people who will actually stand up and talk about the about what's right and what's not right. Mm. And that is the thing that I as a child because I went I had um when I was really young, I lived in kind of a rough neighborhood and I my parents uh, sent me to a private school, not an expensive private school, but it was just it was a private school and it was a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And what I always thought was the interesting that I was able to analyze as a little kid were – and it wasn't so much my schoolmates or anything like that. But I looked at what I knew of Christ, of, of Jesus, and I already f- felt his love and understood him. But the teachings that we were getting were in – in, they, were, they were not – in congruency, right? They weren't they weren't copacetic with what I saw him as has as. And then when I saw what a lot of Christians their behavior, I was always think I was like, wow, these people who call themselves Christians. I mean, there's even a song "Onward, Christian Soldier" and all this stuff, right? Well, that's peaceful, huh? Yeah, but they weren't acting Christ-like, and that was always to me um, a dilemma. You know that I that I had within that uh, format. Luckily, growing up, I was I was also I wanted to have like this this feeling of family. Mm. So I had friends who were Mormon. I had friends who were Jewish. I had um, Catholic friends. So growing up, I actually would go to I went to um, to Mormon the Mormon temple. I went. Um, to the synagogue. I loved going to bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs because there was a celebration. It was, it was a beautiful family environment of celebration. Um, uh, and, and, I, and I sort of at an early age saw all of the little, little bits and pieces of different religions and the Baptist, like the strict Baptist, mm-hmm. which that did not resonate with me at all mm. because I said that is so not Christ. That is so not God, joy, love. It was very, very strict um, and regimented. But this this story and the interactions that you've that you have also, in addition to changing the the the, the tale or the myth about Jesus and about Mary, because Mary's been completely written off in Mary in, Magdalene. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, she's you know, first of all, she's a woman, so we got, can't can't give her any. Credit. Any credit. <laughs> um, and it's focused mostly – the story is focused mostly on, on Jesus and, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the apostles or his, his disciples, right? But this opens something up really hugely that everyone has the, has the at least potential or ability to have those channelings themselves. Well, the whole purpose of this whole thing – is for people to understand that you don't have to go to a church to have a relationship with any of them, yeah. okay? 
And you don't have to read the Bible to have a relationship with any of them. And to tell you the truth, the Bible gets in the way of you having a relationship with them Mm -hmm. because the Bible puts him up on such a high pedestal, a pedestal he never intended for anything, that it just makes it impossible practically for a Christian person to have an experience with him because they've put him up on this incredible pedestal. The best way to talk to him or any of the ascended masters is just talk to them like they're your brother, like a big brother. Yes. Somebody who you respect, have admiration for, but you don't put your big brother up on some tremendous pedestal. Right. You know, um, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense to do that. And the frustrating thing for him is to be so completely misunderstood for what he was about. I mean, every one of us knows what it's what it feels like if you have a misunderstanding with one of your friends, right? And if you have a misunderstanding with three people at work, it feels like the whole world is against you, right? Well, just imagine he's got five billion people misunderstanding him, misinterpreting him, and that's not what he's about. Yes. He would never, he would never put himself above other people. I mean, I've heard a thousand people share their experiences and their conversation with him. He never puts, puts himself above anybody. You know, he's, uh, he's all about the love. You know, in any situation, you always find a way to, to deal, to resolve it through love, you know. And he has a sense of humor. And he's pretty damn funny. Well, all the best comedians are Jewish, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. Now, um, let's talk about – and this is all – again, this is all in the book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Now, I say Magdalena – now, you say Magdalene. Well, because her name in certain languages, in certain cultures, you would spell it with an A on the end. Like Spanish people would say Magdalena. Um, and then people from other places would call it Magdalene. It really doesn't matter if you call it Magdalene or Magdalena. Um, but, you know, her name Mary, that was the most popular name back in Israel. 2,000 years like ago. Like John. Today. Like John. Or if you're from Brooklyn, like I'm from Brooklyn, you know, everybody's named Tony. Yeah. Right. You know, or Joey. Yes. You know? And um, so Mary Magdalene, um, her sister Martha was actually named Mary and Mother Mary was named Mary and there was a Mary Salome. There was all these Marys. That's why it's so hard to keep track of who is who in the Bible because all the women were named Mary. Well, and with – well, and with – the these these two Marys that we're talking about too, they were kind of like um, the most important aspect for Mother Mary was that she was the vessel, <laughs> right? That's the importance that she had. She was the she was the 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 human that was able to bring forth Jesus. This is all based on you know the biblical the Bible uh, sayings, but with with Mary with. With both of them, they're kind of limited in those roles. Like I'm thinking about, like, a, like almost like a movie, but with with Mary, um, it almost seems like a purposeful um, extraction of who she was. Mary Magdalene. Yes. Okay, so let me explain how those pieces of the puzzle come together. Yeah. Okay, so the reason why the missing years of Jesus's life start when he's 12 years old in the Bible is because when he was 12 was when he started studying his Haftorah 
for his bar mitzvah. And his bar mitzvah was obviously when he was 13. Yeah. So they remove the missing years. They start that at 12 because they wanted to remove as much of his Jewish heritage as possible because they're trying to build Christianity. Christianity. Right? So he, he leaves when he's a teenager and starts to travel all around. He said he loved to sail. And um, so he went to Egypt and studied in the mystery schools there. And then if you look at the map, you can see right across from the Red Sea is where India is. And the yogis and the gurus in India had been practicing healing, magic, meditation for for yeah. thousands of years, you know. And that's where his spiritual studies got deeper and deeper and deeper. He comes back to Israel when he's 30 years old, okay? Now, Mary Magdalene's mother had died young. And Mary Magdalene had inherited a lot of money. Because her mom had died young... Mother Mary became like an adopted mom to her because that's what people did back in the day, you know. And um, so when Jesus comes back, Mother Mary introduces Jesus and Mary Magdalene at a wedding. Now, she obviously knew what she was doing, you know, connecting them at a (laughs) a wedding, right? right? And one of the things that Jesus and Mary Magdalene find that they have in common is because Mary Magdalene's mom had died young, she also had been to the mystery schools of Egypt. And she also had been to India to study from the gurus and the yogis in India. So they had this equal spiritual education that they they had learned from from traveling. The other thing is that they were able to communicate telepathically because they were both really evolved people because they were climbing the spiritual ladder the same way that any of us have the opportunity to climb the spiritual ladder. Correct. Right? So they meet – at this wedding, they hit it off right right off the bat, and they ended up getting married very quickly. And between the time he's 30 and 33, they have three children. Then what happens is that he gets arrested on a Wednesday. And I need to tell you why he got arrested, okay? You can't imagine how weird it would sound to somebody who has meditated and, and climbed the spiritual ladder to have somebody tell them – the only place that God exists is at the Temple of Jerusalem, the Wailing Wall. Right. Okay? So what the rabbis were teaching people mm-hmm. back then 2,000 years ago is that if you wanted to be with God, God would not appear to you in your house or in your grandmother's house. The only place God would appear to you, according to the rabbis, was at the Temple of Jerusalem, the, the Temple of Solomon. Okay, so that meant people who grew up and lived in their area, like Nazareth or Magdala. Mm-hmm. Her last name, Magdala, is just comes from that she was from the town of Magdala. Correct. Okay, so if you wanted to be with God and you were from Nazareth or Magdala, you would have to walk for seven days across the desert to get to Jerusalem, to get to the Temple of Solomon, where you could have the, the chance of speaking with God because that's the only place God would exist. But... What Jesus started telling people when he comes back and he's 30 years old, he's like, hey, you guys, I have great news for you guys. You don't have to walk for seven days across the desert to be with God. You can be with God wherever you are, wherever you are. Right. So don't, don't worry about walking across the desert because just pray to God in your house or wherever you are. Oh, he but, made some enemies there. Right, <laughs> because the, the rabbis were – in cahoots with the restaurants and the hotels of Jerusalem because if you walk for seven days across the desert, you need a place to stay while you're there for the holidays. Well, and and it's uh, – I mean it's 
it's a monopoly on exactly the, the, on someone's you know um, spirituality and and ever after life thing. So everybody had to go right. So the Hebrew rabbis set up the the mode of operation that taught the Catholic Church how to make it into a monopoly. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is that Jesus is telling people this mm-hmm. and the rabbis are getting all freaked out because he is bad for business, right? Yeah. And so what happens is that he's – their whole family went to Jerusalem and he gets arrested on a Wednesday. He's court-martialed, court-martialed on Thursday morning and he – that terrible thing happened to him on, on Thursday. Now, there was an ancient law in the Roman Empire that stated – a Hebrew person could not be tortured over a Hebrew holiday. He was crucified on a Thursday, and Thursday night was the eve of Passover. So the holiday, the holiday started at sundown on Thursday. That is why he was taken down off the cross after six hours, because all the other people who were crucified, that was a three-day deal, and no one lived through that. But because he was taken down off the cross after six hours, he had a chance to live. Mm. Now, if he had died, there would be no story. Christianity would have never, ever become a story at all. The only reason why Christianity became a story is because his body disappeared. That's it. Because if he had died there in that tomb where his body was put while he was in a coma, having a near-death experience, if he died in that tomb and people found his body, we would never know this story. But back in the day, 2,000 years ago, most of the people were pagans, okay? So the Native Americans were pagans, the Celts and the Vikings were pagans, and most of the people in the Middle East were pagans. They worshipped the sun and the moon. That was what people did. And the the Hebrew people were just the people who believed in one god, and they they didn't believe in all the gods and goddesses as the pagans. So when his body went missing, the only thing that made any sense was that God took his body up to heaven. Okay, that is because nobody knew except Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary that Mary Magdalene was friends with a Roman soldier. This Roman soldier took him down off the cross after six hours and put him in this tomb. It was the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was Mary Magdalene's father, a very wealthy man, and his name is still in the Bible. So this Roman soldier lets Mary Magdalene into the tomb each day to change the bandages on his hands and on his feet and on his rib, okay? And on the third day, this Roman soldier brings a wooden cart that was covered by hay, and it was pulled by a horse. The Roman soldier takes Jesus' body out of the tomb. He's in a coma, puts his body in the center of the cart, and covers his body with hay, okay? Mary Magdalene rides the horse, and that is how they escaped, they couldn't tell anybody what they were doing because what's the point trying to escape if you're going to just tell somebody who could give that information Correct. to right. the Roman soldiers, right? And that's why it appeared like God had just taken his body up to heaven because his body disappeared and nobody tortured like that for six hours could walk away from anything. Correct. That's why Christianity was, was created was because nobody knew that Mary Magdalene had figured out how to save him, and she had to make the hardest decision any person would ever have to make. Does she stay with this man who she loves, who's her husband, or does she stay with her three children? True. So Mother Mary takes over guardianship of their th- 
their three kids. And those kids grow up thinking Mother Mary is their mother because they're one, two, and three years old. And as they grew up, they didn't remember anything about back, about back then, right. right? And eventually they get to France and they found a, a safe place to live in, in this cave in the top of a mountain, a cave that I made paintings of for a year before I knew any of this stuff. Wow. Wow. You know, so you can imagine how bizarre it was for me to go to France because they told Mimi and I we should go to France. They told us three places where they lived together. So you actually okay. saw the – did you go and see the places? Yeah. Well, there's a place in, in the south of France near St. Maximin that's called the Cave of Mary Magdalene. And it's a really fascinating story that's historical. This isn't anybody's opinion. This is historical and I'll tell you how it all came about. So I found out that there was a a church in Mary Magdalene's name. Now, in America, we know so little about Mary Magdalene. Yes. You know, the the idea of there being a church in her name, like, how did that happen? You know? And so I did a Google search. So you guys listening can do the Google search after you, you hear this story. But in the year 1279, a French nobleman had a dream and he was visited by Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene told this French nobleman that her bones were buried in a box under a church in a little village in the south of France called St. Maximin. This was such a powerful experience that this French nobleman actually took a crew to the south of France, found St. Maximin, found the little church, and he went under the church, and he found a wooden box with human bones in it. When he opened up that box, there was a handwritten letter in the box that said, Here lie the bones of St. Mary Magdalene. Oh, I just got chills. Whoa. This French nobleman builds a giant basilica on top of that little church, and it's known as the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene. Now, everybody in the south of France knows that's, you know, that's the Church of Mary Magdalene. They changed the name of the town in 1279. That's a historical record when you change the name of a town. Correct. Right? They changed the name of the town to St. Maximin Le Saint Baum. And the word Baum in French means cave because Mary Magdalene lived in this cave not too far away from where her bones were found and where they ended up making that, making that little church. So everybody in France knows that Mary Magdalene lived there. But what nobody knows is that Jesus lived there with her, and they had their fourth child whose name was Sarah there. Now, I did an event at Unity of Sedona last year, and I explained exactly what I just told you. This woman raised her hand, and she said, I am the office manager here at Unity of Sedona, and I'm part of a Mary Magdalene monthly channeling group where once a month about 15 women, me included, Channel Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene gave us the exact same story about the Roman soldier, the wooden cart, the fact that they covered his body with hay, and the horse. And we bought every single channeled book by Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mother Mary. And that is not in any book. That's your evidentiary channeling. Absolutely. And you, and the fact that you that you met them... This is the thing, too, with the um, what some people would say, oh, what a coincidence. No, no, no. What a synchronicity. What a coincidence. That was supposed to happen. Exactly. You were supposed to be there. And that was to, um, again, to, to 
double confirm to like fist bump. <laughs> you know, yeah, like right. it, it, this is it. You got yeah. it. You got it. What do you think? Um, oh, and I wish I had like five hours with you. Um, you were you are the person to bring this story forward, aren't you? I mean, is that what you had gotten through all of this to that that you needed to? Were you like going, what am I doing? Was there any moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Of course. You know, are people are people going to. Well, this thing kind of took over my life. You know? I would think it would. Um, yeah. And well, and how exciting. It's like <laughs> anything else would be like, eh, you know. I guess one what are you side doing of it, tonight? I'm going to the movies. Okay, you guys go to the movies. I'm going to go talk to Jesus. You know. <laughs> well, there was a a point where I really wanted to back out of this whole thing because um, because of the effect it was having on my life. I mean, I used to be in control of of my life. <laughs> you know, at least at least I thought I was in control oh, of my life. Yeah. Silly man. You no, know, we make plans and God laughs. You know, yeah. um, and I'm definitely not calling Jesus God. Just for the record. Yes. Um, and so during one of my times of frustration of like, you know, wanting to have my old life back, uh, he he said to Mimi, hey, look, you know, you agreed to this in your soul contract before you started this this lifetime. And this is, you know, you, this you agreed to this. Yeah. You don't remember that, though, do you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I remember. <laughs> no, of course I don't remember that, you know. Um, this It's such a, a fantastic um, journey that you're on and the and now the reader can be on a, as well. What would you say in, in the few minutes that we have um, available to us, what would you say are one or two of the most important um, – messages that you want to get out with this book, maybe from your um, conversations and, and working with both Jesus and Mary, what do you think are some of the most important things um, that they want to get out to the world right now? They want people to know that they're all connected to the to what we know as the heavenly team, that Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Moses and Mother Mary and I, all of them. And all the archangels, they're all on the same team. So we look through this physical, earthly lens and we see these people, uh, these beings, as being separate. Don't think about them as being separate. They're not separate. They're all part of the same team, all trying to help us unfold and grow and become more spiritual so the world can become more spiritual. That's what they want. Okay. Um, what else can I share with you? Um have any other um, ascended masters um, made themselves known to you? Or? Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. guess I forgot to tell you that part of the yeah. story. So after they, you know, Jesus appears at that first event, you know, the next event, Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and Jesus appear all together to different people. And like 10 people well, share these experiences you know, right. at, the, at the workshop. And then the next week, somebody has an experience with St. Germain. Okay, mm -hmm. um, continuing to have other people had experiences with the family. It's just easier if I just call them the family, right. you know. And then the next week, somebody has an experience with Buddha. And then the next week, somebody has an experience with Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And then Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel and Archangel Metatron. And at this point, over a thousand people, normal-looking, nice people, you know, everyday people, everyday yeah. people, um, have shared their experience. 
with Buddha, Krishna, Moses, Archangel, one of the other ascended masters or archangels. A thousand people besides that have had their conversation or spiritual travel with Mother Mary, Jesus, or Mary Magdalene. And another 5,000 people at this point have had a conversation or spiritual travel with one of their loved ones. So it's over 7,000 people at this point. And this whole spiritual thing, it's like – it's kind of like the Oprah generation, you know, because Oprah talked about spirituality in such an easy-to-understand universal way that all of those people who used to watch Oprah when she had her – you know, when she was on whatever – I don't know if that was NBC or CBS, whatever that was. But all those people are all part of this gigantic group that you can call the Ascension because there's over 50 million Americans meditating or doing yoga once or twice a week. If you go back 2,000 years, there weren't 50 million people in the world right. who were – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's an amazing – it's not going backwards. No. And no. one of the unique things about, about all this is that I've been to Europe a bunch of times. And if you go to a, a Catholic church outside of Rome, but anywhere in any of the other countries of Europe, you go to a Catholic church on a Sunday morning, that place is empty. The thing that is keeping the Catholic churches alive is they have classical music concerts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Those classical music concerts that people pay 50 or $75 to get in, that is what's keeping the lights on in those churches. The reason why they chose a pope from South America is South America is the last stronghold yeah. the Catholic Church has. Yeah, and, it, and it's diminishing. Totally. Um, I don't even want to limit, uh, minimize it by saying the scandals, because it's, it is a. Um, that's part of it. It's extremely. There's an extreme dark, dark side and energy that's a, that's accompanying what's happening going on with the Catholic Church. That's been going on forever. Forever. But it's just now the light. You know, it's coming out, and and that's the thing. There's no hiding it now. There's no. Totally. It's coming out, and um, and I think that is, people will be disillusioned with organized formal religion and they are finding their own way. Well, the w- I agree with you completely. Which I, I applaud. The, the way this has all been orchestrated is that when I started finishing this book was when all the scandals started coming out in the news about the Catholic Church and all of, all of these things, the big thing in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, the Catholic Church has already paid out over $3 billion in fines so far to – you know, to make it right for these people who got together and legally made the Catholic Church responsible for their abuse that they suffered as children. And and it's global and it's probably millions of people um, who were children. And now we're and now just this just this week, we find out that um, a lot of the priests were ha- the, the nuns were their slaves. Yeah. <laughs> do you know like, do you know when? The the church made the rule that um, a, a priest couldn't marry because um, originally priests were allowed to marry. But what happened was that when a priest died, his land and his money would be inherited by his wife by and his, his children. children. So the church just said, OK, we'll just make it impossible for a priest to marry. So, so we let, get there. So we get their money and their land. Oh, my gosh. I want to have you back. Can you come back? Will you come back on the show one day? 
Well, I'm going to be here in Los Angeles for another two weeks, so I'm, I'd love to come back. Okay. okay. And we'll call that part two? Yeah, we'll call it part two. And I, and well, I want to have you – because I know that this is not the only thing. This is, this is just the beginning of, of, of what you're doing. And I just want to – because, again, this, we could be talking for hours and hours about just this particular book and the work that you're doing. But let people know how they can get in touch with you or how they can, first of all, get a hold of the book and also find out uh, about the seminars that you do and the workshops. And, of course, to get a hold of your music, where do they go? DavidYoungMusic.com is my website. So everything is on that website. <clears throat> you have access to my paintings or to my books and my 60 CDs that I've recorded. Um, you can also buy the book or the audio book on Amazon. Perfect. 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 I, again, I want to thank you so very much, David Young, for, for being on the program today. Uh, the, the book is The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena, Their Untold Truth Through Art and Evidential Channeling. And now that I know what evidential channeling is, I'm going to I'm sure there's going to be some examples popping up in my life. Um, thank you, listeners, so much for tuning in. Remember that you can um, and make sure you never miss an episode of this program by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Podbean, or even better, you can subscribe to this uh, official, the official YouTube channel of Out of the Box with Christine. And with that, you can easily share this show. So you can share the show on social media, in emails. It's one of the best ways to, uh, to share the program so that you can have other people hear what we just talked about today with David Young. Until next week, I want to remind you to always think outside of the box. Bye for now.